0: Weirdo, Weirdo Bookworms, bookworms unite. unite!
1: Do your reading tastes range from dystopian sci-fi to middle-grade fantasy? Dark psychological thrillers to gory body horror? From YA paranormal swords and sorcery? Extraterrestrials? Murder? Mayhem! And beyond! Then we want to share our love of reading with you!
0: Welcome home.
1: Okay, welcome to Genre Junkies, this is Sandra. We're, we're Scott, we're Scott at! He's not here! I don't know where he went. I totally misplaced him this week. But you know what? We don't have time to look under the couch cushions or, you know, perhaps behind the seat in your car. We do just need to move on. <laughs> so joining me today in lieu of Scott speaking on the microphone, welcome back to the show, Amanda. Hi everybody. Hi. Welcome
0: back. How's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good. All right
1: on. Well, I'm really glad you're here because hey, hey. Uh did did you read some of the Gargoyle Queen books like like I did? What,
0: what uh, Gargoyle? Queen? By Jennifer Estep? Yes, indeed.
1: Yep. Okay, perfect. Then we can do an episode.
0: <laughs> Why not? We can we'll do an episode. Do it. I mean, we're here, the books are here. You know what's funny? Jennifer's here too. Y- you don't say. <laughs>
1: Yes. Okay, enough cloak and dagger. We're talking about the first two books of Jennifer Estep's Gargoyle Queen novel series, which would be Capture the Crown and Tear Down the Throne. And I have read some other books by Jennifer Estep as well. So we're going to be talking about that. And then Lucky, lucky us, Jennifer actually was able to sit down and talk to me a little bit, and I gave her an interview. So, we're going to play that. So, how the structure of this is going to go is we're going to talk about book one, spoiler free, just kind of get you interested in the world and what we thought about everything. Then, we're going to go to Jennifer's interview, which is also spoiler free. And then, the second half of the episode, we're going to talk about the second book, which is Tear Down the Throne. So, then that way, If you've read the books and you're caught up, you can join us over there. Or if you're wanting to know what the heck these Gargoyle Queen books are all about, we're going to get you there. Does that make sense? Sounds good to me. Well, one more little thing. One more little tidbit. We got a really cool book. (laughs) Mythic World. Let's talk about Mythic World. Can we talk about Mythic World? (laughs) By Kirby Rosanis. Um, mythic world color timeless legends brought to us by plume so this um is kind of like a little series and they've put out other ones too including i think it's called worlds within worlds fragile world so this one depicts a lot of scenes from mythology specifically mythological creatures from all over the world and then in the back, there's actually like a little glossary. And so it'll be like, you know, if you were coloring a phoenix, then you can go back there and learn about the phoenix as well. So which is really cool because um, we both love mythical creatures. And there was um, characters I had not encountered before in this gorgeous book. So it's not just like you're one of the mill characters
0: you get some fresh blood sure yeah it's not not only the things that we all love that are you know uh but they're, they're kind of rote almost yeah yes but uh no it's it's got all kinds of different things all over uh, the world all over the world different cultures different di- and here's what i want to say about this specifically us every single page is a work of art by itself. You
1: don't even have to color you it. You
0: don't have to even color it. Like, honestly, I found myself just like, just going through it and, and just being wowed by every single different story. And sometimes ones that I had never heard of before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 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 beautiful. It is a beautiful book. And I, I'd recommend it for anybody, even if you're not really super into coloring that's okay. Let's let's talk about that because
1: I am a bit into coloring. I'm not super into coloring. I'm a bit into it. Um, I have like a horror themed coloring book that I like to color in sometimes and it's like for adults as well. Um, Amanda is a very good fine artist. And then on top of being a fine artist, she's really, really good at coloring. And I know that sounds weird <laughs> to say,
0: but okay believe me it's weirder to hear it but okay
1: (laughs) so like talk to okay how do you because this is very relaxing for you too this isn't like a stressful thing when you color no no this is how i kind of de-stress so this is we're kind of spreading the gospel of adult coloring here if you've been embarrassed to try you are among friends so you kind of work with like you do pencil and pen and gel pen. You do like everything. Sometimes oh, I'll, on I'll, the same page. Yeah, I'll do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes all on the same page.
0: A- absolutely. Sometimes it's it's just it's whatever's calling to you from that character or that spot or whatever. Or maybe you just learned something new. Maybe like they have these wonderful crayons and stuff now that they they <laughs> they mark up at a high high price, but. Yeah. It's really just a crayon. And so, <laughs> a crayon is just a crayon. The crayon's a crayon, and it, that's okay. And it, sometimes that's exactly what you want to do. That's yes. sometimes that's exactly what you want to do. And sometimes, too, you can, uh, oh, this is just. Two in the weeds for anybody who's <laughs> no, not it, share, share. not into this. Um, say say you take like a like a sharpie or yeah. something like that, and so you get like a really nice pigmentation, saturated, saturated whatever. And then maybe you do uh, maybe you do a crayon over that. <gasps> maybe you do um, a, a colored pencil over that. Maybe you do Ooh. a watercolor pencil over that. Yeah as long as it's completely dried and saturated yeah. and everything. but but then you can you can do anything you want to.
1: <laughs> yeah there's no rules
0: and there i think that's rules. very appealing Adult to people coloring is
1: it's for you it's
0: it's for me and, and it, i think i'm not the only one no that's why this is
1: like an industry so i think it kind of helps to like the
0: subject matter Oh, no, absolutely cuz I mean you got to be kind of inspired by what you're doing. I mean whether or not it's yeah. it's it it doesn't have to be super important or anything like that, but yeah. it it in this particular case of course it's literally mythic. Yeah. <laughs> um but uh sometimes it's just something fun something cute something you like yeah that's all you have to. and if you guys haven't
1: colored in one of these so it's different when you from when you were a kid and the pages were kind of that cheap brown that so no matter what you color it's gonna look like that brown color and like there's a very simplistic line drawing where it's like yeah the whole hair (laughs) of this I don't know, let's call it, let's say the Pegasus. The whole mane of this Pegasus is like just one big block. In these books, you might have like lots of strands in there. So you can really get lost in the intricacy of it. Um, It's a good thing to do listening to music or while TV's on that you don't really have to pay attention to.
0: Absolutely, I, I completely agree.
1: Completely agree. Yeah. So, okay, so I just can't wait to show you guys, I hope we can show some pictures off of our new coloring book and maybe some pages that we do and inspire other people to draw some really, really cool, crazy, um, sometimes scary, gory, mythical. All right, now let's talk about tonight's first novel, Capture the Crown, a Gargoyle Queen novel, book one by Jennifer Estep. A book that Charlene Harris called This Is Action at Its Finest, and lots of other fun, little, good reviews out there, too. <coughs> Best-selling author Jennifer Estep returns to her crown of shards world with an all-new trilogy and a bold new heroine who protects her kingdom from magic, murder, and mayhem by moonlighting as a spy. Gemma Ripley has a reputation for being a pampered princess who is more interested in pretty gowns, sparkling jewelry, and other frivolous things than learning how to rule the kingdom of Anvari. But her carefully crafted persona is just an act to hide the fact that Gemma is a powerful mind mage and a spy. Gemma is under cover, trying to figure out who is stealing large amounts of tearstone from one of the Ripley Royal Mines when she encounters Prince Leonidas Marcone of Morda, her mortal enemy. Gemma tries to steer clear of the handsome prince, but when she finds herself behind enemy lines, she reluctantly joins forces with Leo. But coming to Gemma's aid is Grimly, her beloved gargoyle. Despite the fact that Anvari and Morda are old, bitter enemies, a dangerous attraction sparks between Gemma and Leo. Further complicating matters is Leo's murderous family, especially Queen Maven Morricone, the master hind behind the infamous Seven Spire massacre. The closer Gemma gets to the stolen tearstone, the more deadly plots she discovers. Everyone is trying to capture the crown, but only one queen can sit on the throne. I really actually like that, um, that description. So a little background, a little history here, a little history. So mentioned in there is the uh, Crown of Shards series. This is a standalone series, but this is spin-off characters from that other series. So you don't have to have read it. Amanda hasn't read those. I have read those, um, that trilogy. But it's kind of nice because it gives you a little more flavor, but it is totally standalone. And this takes place something like, it's like 13 years, 15 years after the events of that series. Um, And not all the characters spin off. It's just a handful of characters that have spun off into this one.
0: Yeah, like she said, I, I didn't read the original uh, series in this particular world. But uh, having not read it, I can tell you I enjoyed it very, very much. Like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't have to have read it. I mean, it's it's clear, you know, it's clear that, okay, there is a whole other story that's happened before this happened. There's history in this world. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, like you said, it's like 13, 16 years, something like that after the events therein. Yeah. And uh, so... Yeah, uh, uh, you know, the world has moved on, <laughs> right? 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 So you don't have to necessarily have just read the original one and then go directly into this one. I'm sure if you have, then it's even better. Um, but uh, but it, I didn't feel you like didn't I, it. yeah, I didn't feel like I'd lost yeah. anything in not having read the original ones. And I do uh, plan to actually go back and read. You can, yeah, yeah. because it's uh, there's clearly more story than it gets alluded to. Um so it, it, great that's something that
1: we actually talk about in the interview um and I I really appreciate Jennifer's um her outlook and her philosoph philosophical kind of viewpoint on this and I find it very um inclusive I don't I can't think of a better word but I mean I am very I'll admit it. I'm intimidated by, you know, an eight book, 15 book dense ass fantasy series at this point in my life. Not intimidated in the way you may think, but intimidated because of the investment of my time. And then, you know, there's always those series that people are like, "Well, stick with it because book four or five, it starts getting good. And it's like,
0: I, are you, I, I don't, I don't think I've got it in me to go <laughs> to go to book four or five, if I if it hasn't hooked me already, I I don't know that it's no. going to work. No, I'm not willing to.
1: I'm not willing to do that. And not only because I review books on the show, so I have to think about my time I spend with any particular series. Scott and I both consider that, but I mean, I don't. I I don't like. How is that appealing? Like maybe. You know, maybe things should be broken up a little, kind of like you know how she did with these ones. Like she's created this really dense, beautiful world that there's countries we we barely touched in any of these books, and she'll get you there. She'll get you caught up on what you need to know, and you're not going to get FOMO. <laughs> but like, you can get in. You can get in on the ground floor here.
0: I, I completely agreed. I I. I there's a a lot of stuff too that was like wow whoa that just happened like from book one yeah that uh that was new to me right and i've read a lot of fantasy books we have a lot between us we've read a lot lot of them uh and uh there's some stuff here that was just frankly new to me Um, and that was a, a treat
1: i like that so before we get to the experience score something that i thought was really exciting as well you'll hear in the interview but jennifer is very um inspired and a big fan of david and lee eddings
0: stop do you it. see
1: it because you're a huge eddings fan
0: i do you see it in this stop- book yes okay yes but i'm like i i see it when it isn't there you know what i sure, mean because sure. you love it yeah because i love it. i love the world of david and lee eddings so much uh i i I, I, i'm i'm losing words you're glib (laughs) she's glib oh so yeah no that that just delights me i'm so happy that that's true (laughs) um so what was
1: your experience or would you like me to go first why don't you go first um i have to say for me i was i was in like somewhere when i started this book i was really enjoying it I really like how this first book really takes off running and it very, very quickly told me it was going to be a page turner. And for me, it really was. And that's my final score is like there's, you know, there's world building and there's backstory and, you know, all that stuff comes. But I really appreciated that the action starts like, right away we're thrust into Gemma's life her her dual ego she does and the fact that she is a spy and right away we're in machinations behind the throne the, these series the books she writes have a lot of machinations have a lot of little little chess pieces moving around and and people who are Backstabbing other people And I really like that stuff And I have to say I was so God Refreshed That this is a princess Who did not feel Like a million other princess Or you know Chosen girl Fantasy tropes
0: Agreed Agreed What was your experience? I, the mic. I would say uh, Yeah Yeah Paige Turner also I mean it, it, Exactly what you said I mean you were kind of In Medias as As far as anything goes uh we don't have to know anything else I, li- like i said I'm, I'm sure she was in the original trilogy or the original book uh, series Gemma was as a kid yeah but yeah. but she was a kid so this is our first experience of her being an adult and also can i just say i love that she was she's like 28 I just I know that she's uh, not 18. She's not (laughs) or just uh, she's not 16, which I know it's okay to be 16. By the (laughs) way, anybody who is currently 16. Good for you. Yeah. Way. (laughs) That's great. But like all of the heroines of these fantasy stories, whether they are YA or not YA or YA curious. They're so young. (laughs) They're so young. And you're like, you think back to like, wait. (laughs) When I was sixteen, do you think that I had a really good <laughs> handle on? Well, this is going to be my life partner. <laughs> I know, wouldn't like, you? No, come on, like so. It's so. I mean, and, and again, love so many of those stories. Oh, absolutely. There's not a problem. This is coming from a place of love, but yeah. But it was just nice Refreshing. to be like, wait a second, she's almost thirty. Yeah. Oh.
1: Like, okay. like she might actually have some idea of her role in the world and what she wants out of life. And again, I don't mean like, yeah, it's not like I'm in yeah, insulting yeah, I, any I, of our beloved little teen um, queens no, that we of love. No, it's not. We love books. them. We love them. But it is kind of nice to be like, she's coming at this from another life perspective.
0: Yes, absolutely. So and I'm sure we'll get in, into that more later on but but yeah so i just i liked that but yeah the the, the whole what you're saying that we just started with uh um we're, we're just in the action yeah we're there already. this has
1: already been established that sh- there's a concern so she's going undercover and she's doing this thing and i like that she has this persona to the public that she's like I hate the word pampered. That word just, it's like moist for other people. It's like pampered for me. I don't like that word. Oh my gosh, I feel the same way. What
0: was wrong with us growing up? What did pampered
1: so many- do to us? I don't like it. It just sounds, I don't know. But I guess maybe that's the point. You're not supposed to like the way it sounds. It sounds like very, I, I Maybe know. it's just that it's, it's like, it's, it's a like, weak word. <laughs> it's like the, the diapers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> to
1: immediately go there. Right? What's so okay, sound off. <laughs> Drop us a line if you ate that damn word too. But um but it's kind of like Gemma doesn't have to do the <laughs> I'm a tough girl and i don't need anybody like type of attitude either you know what i mean like she is a tough she's a bad bitch and she's tough but she
0: likes having friends and family she likes having those things it's the very first line of the book is like i like being a princess or i love being a princess or whatever it's like well because why wouldn't you yeah and i i just appreciate
1: that and that's not to say that gemma is not without um struggles cuz I actually and this is something I bring up again in conversation with Jennifer. I appreciate
0: that people are getting a
1: lot more comfortable with the mental health of their characters especially in a fantasy situation.
0: Wow, yeah, that's that's true. Absolutely.
1: Like this girl, this woman whatever, she carries trauma. Gemma carries trauma and she's been through something horrible and she she's in this world where and Jennifer is very into this in her books, everybody wants the queen dead no matter the queen the pr- everybody wants you dead like you have enemies everywhere and that's real
0: that sense that, sem- yeah, that it, seems it, like real to not me not in an enviable position for sure so nobody wants to be the queen everybody who thinks they want to be the queen you don't want to be. you don't want to be the queen and she's you
1: know dealing with like she's kind of the heir apparent because <laughs> her dad well her grandpa is ailing. And that's kind of rough. And, you know, she's had struggles also with um, her mom passing, but she actually has a great stepmom that she really loves, which is a nice departure from that trope as well. Um, yeah, I just thought there was some cool, brave stuff Jennifer does in this book that's like, this is a romance, high fantasy, but like, let's not do everything we've done before. Does that make sense?
0: Uh, absolutely. I And I completely agree. She's, uh, she's, she, turns a lot of those trips up on their head. Like, how about if the stepmother wasn't evil? Yeah. What if she's just not evil though? How about if she's actually a badass M.O.? Yeah. Uh just just doing her thing. Yeah. How about that? Um and then
1: also let's like if she just puts it right out there, puts her cards right out there, I could literally kill people with a thought. I had done it as a child more than once and I have bloody loved doing it again right now. Like, thank you. I mean, there's something about that that is to get a little deep with it. She owns her power, right? And like she knows that she's really powerful.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and powerful in ways that she doesn't even understand right. how how far she can actually go down this road. But uh but uh, but yeah, it's it's it makes her slash all the characters more relatable when yeah. they are more nuanced when they they do have more things going on and i again i don't necessarily have any problem with the trope uh, there's a reason why i, re- I read those books <laughs> i sure. like them very much but but uh to to take it into like a much more modern uh, understanding of of who people are and all the complicated weird things that make us who we are like no that actually makes a much more interesting story yeah and i mean she could
1: easily um be corrupt and so she's kind of careful with her power and kind of she does actually dull her spark a little because she doesn't want to you know just be killing people with her mind all the time which i think is um valid because you know that's a really dangerous power to have you like lose your temper once and you like could kill a whole bunch of people but like um that's another struggle that's like that's kind of cool like that that's a struggle you have that's um that's not boring
0: no I, i i agreed it's it's not boring it's uh again being more complicated actually usually makes for a better story certainly more interesting characters um so i i think she does a beautiful job of that not and it's not just our, our main character gemma either like every single character that you get to know at all mm-hmm. in the, in these books or certainly in the first book that uh it, it, they they are in and of themselves you know it's the villain is the hero of his own story yeah but Sometimes the side character is the hero of their own story, you know, or totally. it should be. It yeah. should be that case. So, um, let's talk
1: about her, her foil, <laughs> her romantic and and character enemy, Leonidas. Um, I really like Leonidas a lot. I, you know, every uh, one of these male romantic heroes they're gonna be a little broody they're gonna be a little dark and troubled sure but um i was not at any point annoyed with leonidas and that is kind of a big thing for me to say about a romantic male lead is he did not bore me make me roll my eyes
0: make me frustrated i genuinely i genuinely like leonidas I, I me too and and actually you saying that is uh really you you don't generally mention too much about the uh they got to the be real coils good.
1: they got to be real good they can be drippy and boring
0: well, yeah, that's because so often they kind of get short shrift, like, you know, you're just there to serve a purpose for the heroine's story, yeah. which is okay, too. Sure. That's, you know, I mean, it's her time. <laughs> it's her book. <laughs> you know, whatever. I'm going with you. But uh, but in this case, no, I think he was, he seemed to be um, complicated and dark and also lovely all at the same time.
1: Yeah. So it's a little it's funny just from the on the occasion. God forbid he crack a joke. <laughs> but he um our dude actually does. Um so before we get too much into uh I don't know some other territory here, what would you say is the appeal score for this book? For me, I am going to give it a broad appeal. Um I think that people will appreciate a lot of the Universality of this book um i think it's approachable um and i think it's a nice way if maybe you're looking to get into fantasy reads to you know try with one of her series and see how that works for you
0: i i completely agree i'm on the same page i i, I think it would be a broad appeal so i think most people are gonna like this <laughs> I think so,
1: too. If you like fantasy, I think, um, you know, we've kind of described one thing we love to point out at Genre Junkies is when you like a genre and it does something a little new with it. So I think this will appeal for you with that. Um, But it's also like very approachable, like you said, completely user friendly. If you're just starting out, too, you don't even have to have started with the series that this spun off from. Yeah, no,
0: uh, absolutely.
1: Doesn't get more universal than that. So, a couple of things I want to touch on really quickly before the interview, and we talk spoilers in the second half of the episode. How much do we love and the mythical companions in this book? Oh and that is gosh. why. That is why we're talking about the mythology coloring book. I mean,
0: to answer your question, like so much,
1: like so, <laughs> so much. much, yeah. Um. I've always had a little bit of a thing for gargoyles. yes, you have that's true. that is a lifelong thing. yeah, what about you? Are you gargoyle? are you gar are you a gargoyle? <laughs> uh, i I don't not gargoyle. do you want a strix though?
0: Oh see the no. strix are these
1: big beautiful oh. fantastic purple birds
0: <laughs> fantastic. yeah, fantastic amethyst colored birds yeah, which that is my birthstone I and therefore know. there there is a Oh Morda is hella
1: amethyst heavy Apparently that's purple, the only thing purple. They have
0: there <laughs> <Purple>. <laughs> They just have purple gemstones <laughs> That's all purple. that they have But uh, no yeah Absolutely The, the okay, if This is one of those things that I was saying before Like it, that is completely new I have never I, I don't think I have never Read a story where somebody Had like a sentient Gargoyle <laughs> Yes, and and moreover, just like it, it's her best friend, right, BFF, and like that—that that is
1: not like unusual because people do have sentient connections with these um, companions that are not human, um, and they're kind of like like horses, like people ride them and they use them to pull things, but <laughs> they're also like this beautiful emblem. Of their kingdom, I've never read a book that's like that.
0: I, I, yeah, this is this was new for me, and I, and in fact, the when at the very beginning of the book, when she kind of mentions uh, grimly, grimly, and and then kind of has to explain. You know what Grimly is, and or Grims, yeah. What what he is, and and how they have their connection and stuff. But I, I, it, it, because it's new, it was brand new. Now, granted, it might have been something that was in the previous novels in this world. Not exactly like this, though. I mean, yeah. You know, also, her being a mind magier. Did I say that right?
1: That's how I say it. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, we're we're going with the people. I'm going with it, yeah. <laughs> comment section, comment section. But uh, uh, I, 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 I'm it's indescribable to me. I just love so much that they, both them and then the Strixes from Morta, uh, that they have these um beautiful uh relationships with these individual characters that would on other series might have only seen them as like a an. I don't novelty, yeah. a novelty a little one off yeah thing just it, you only hear the sounds that they make out of their you know mouth holes <laughs> and so nothing else really matters but in this case they're full-fledged characters like like Grimms is is a little grumpy oh i love him so much me too much. me too but like so he has his own personality yeah stuff <laughs> um so
1: without kind of saying too much more until the spoiler section, these worlds, the world that this book is set in is a rich, dense, deep fantasy world. And I really appreciate that. Jennifer has really thought out, and I've this from her other series as well, where these countries are, the exports and imports of these countries, the aesthetic of the people that live there, the attitude of the people that live there. And I love her thorough, thorough world building. And I have to say, I'm very excited to talk spoilers about this because these books went to some places I was really not expecting. So I do recommend that you check these books out. I really think that you should give them a try, um, if you want some really, really cool world building without sacrificing your characters. Okay, everybody, we're gonna pick back up with Amanda and myself in the spoiler section where we talk about the second novel in this series and maybe some spoilers from this book as well. But in between, I am so, so happy and proud to present on behalf of Scott and myself, a wonderful, wonderful treat for you. Joining us for an interview, the author, of this week's series, Jennifer Estep. All right, everybody, without further ado, please welcome Jennifer Estep. Yay, the crowd goes wild. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> hi jennifer how's it going good how are you thanks so much for hosting me i appreciate it oh my
1: god i could listen to you talk all day your accent is gorgeous
2: <laughs> thank you
1: so i have to tell you just right off the bat your books have brought me a lot of comfort lately and i think especially the gargoyle queen series has just i don't know i've, I've been kind of sick and i've been kind of struggling a little bit and it's just been so nice to escape into your world. So thank you for writing this series.
2: Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you think that they have been a fun escape. That's that's one of my goals is just to take readers on like an action-packed adventure and just so they can get away from everything for a few hours. Oh, I
1: love it. You know, reading like your intros and your dedications and stuff. It's kind of like you really get it. You get the draw of epic fantasy and, and you've been reading it your whole life, correct? <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah. I discovered epic fantasy way, way back in high school. Um, You know, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and then people like Terry Brooks and David Eddings and, you know, the... Oh, David Eddings. Oh, my God. Oh, The Illinium. Have you read that series? Well, you know, what's funny is
1: I've dabbled in David Eddings, but it was like my older sister, David Eddings is like her God. So it was kind (laughs) of like I couldn't, you know, it was like, that's my sister's thing, but I do love him.
2: Yeah, that was, um, the Illinium was one of the series that I really, really liked um, back in high school and college. And, you know, I've just, I've always loved anything with kind of magic, action, adventure, romance. It's all the good stuff. It is all the good stuff. Yeah.
1: And as a diehard horror fan, I appreciate that you get a little bloody and a little violent sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that because that makes, um, it ups the stakes, you know?
2: I think it does. And it's always interesting. I get some comments sometimes about, um, you know, that there's too much cursing or there's too many romantic scenes or whatever. And <gasps> yeah, not just the epic fantasy, but I've had that comment about several of my different series. But yeah, but nobody ever says anything about the violence. And I just <laughs> find that really fascinating and kind of sad in a way
1: (laughs) right that's there's there's like a sociological question in there that we're like oh not this but this you know Mm. no i love the swearing i love the violence and i think you write great romance too so you know there's always going to be haters (laughs) um what is your favorite step in the writing process because you are a prolific writer
2: actually I have a couple of different favorite steps like as I'm actually writing the book I always love writing the fight scenes and the action scenes and -hmm. just kind of figuring out um how my heroine can use her wits and her magic to defeat you know the villains at the end of the book Mm -hmm. Um, I love writing like a big epic fight scene at the end
1: (laughs) no that's no I can see that there um there is definitely an art to writing a fight scene where you can like, you can lose people. So it's, um you know, you just kind of get lost in it. But no, that's, um that's really interesting.
2: Yeah, well, I, w- I always tell people one of my favorite shows as a kid was The A-Team. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that probably tells you all you need to know about like my inspirations and things like that. But Yeah. Like I said, I, I've always loved anything with a lot of action and an adventure in it. And those are the kind of scenes that I like to write. And yeah. then my other favorite part is, um, you know, with as an author, you go through revisions and copy edits and page proofs. You have to reread your book a lot of right. times. So my very favorite part is when I get to the end, the page proofs, and it's done. And I think I never have to read this book ever again. <laughs> that
1: is hilarious and then it's like and then people are like hey come on our show and talk about it though
2: (laughs) i I like talking about it i just hate reading it and rereading it (laughs) oh my goodness i can't blame you there
1: i think that's a
2: very fair answer to
1: that question um how has your writing process changed over the years
2: Uh, Well, I think with every book that I write, I learn a little something about writing or editing or character arcs or something like that. Um, Mm. I hope that I'm a much better writer today than when I was first published, um, (laughs) like, oh gosh, 15 years ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I would say that I just, I probably know what makes a story work a little bit better now than I did when I was younger. Mm just, you know, more experience, more books under your belt. Um, Yeah. There would be times, you know, when I would like start a book and get halfway through it and think this isn't working and, you know, set it aside. And I think I know much quicker now, like whether an idea has merit and is going to turn into something or whether it's just, you know, not for me.
1: Right. No, that's that seems natural. That seems like a natural part of, you know, as you get to know your own storytelling, So I have to ask you, are you a fan of gargoyles specifically? Because I know you love a good mythical creature.
2: (laughs) I do like mythical creatures. Um, You know, when I was coming up, Tear Down the Throne is book two in my Gargoyle Queen series. But it's actually a spinoff in my Crown of Shards epic fantasy world. So when I was setting up the Crown of Shards world with, you know, Kill the Queen and the other books in that series... Um, I did want to do some more epic fantasy type of creatures than what I have done in some of my other books. And, you know, gargoyles were just one of those things that kind of popped into my head. It was something that I hadn't done before.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, and I just think they're just such a cool part of are so many buildings and architecture all over the world.
1: I, I think they're absolutely beautiful. Yeah, no, I'm a huge fan of gargoyles. And um, I would really love my own sentient gargoyle companion. <laughs> so that was um, that's a big treat in this book. There is a wonderful gargoyle character. And there's other gargoyles and Strixes and... Oh, all sorts of wonderful things. So I have read the uh, Crown of Shards series, and I greatly enjoyed that series as well. Um, I believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that the Gargoyle Queen books are standalone. I mean, it's great if you've read the other series, because that's where you meet some of these characters. But I think you did a wonderful job of catching everybody up.
2: Thank you. And you know, I always try to do that in all of my books you know, enough backstory where somebody can just pick it up and start reading because you never know. I mean, most people will start with book one of the very first series. But then, you know, a lot of people are in the bookstore browsing and they just pick it up and say, oh, this looks cool and not realize that it's part of a series or that it's a spinoff series or whatever. So I always try to put enough of the backstory in there where you can sit down and read it and know what's going on.
1: Oh yeah, no, I I totally hear that. Especially like when I was a teenager, I got most of my books from like library book bag sales, and so like you wouldn't always know, <laughs> like oh, this is book fifteen in a series. Yeah, Oops, my bad. You would get
2: like yeah. book seven and book thirteen and you know book twenty or something. <laughs> right, exactly. So
1: did you always know you wanted Gemma, our our princess Gemma, to have her own series?
2: When I was writing um, Kill the Queen, and Gemma is in that book, but she's 12 in that book. Um, You know, as I was writing it, and Gemma goes through this really horrific thing in Kill the Queen, and I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to do a series where Gemma is an adult and to see how this one big event still impacts her, you know, even into her adult life? Absolutely. Um, So yeah, it was kind of in the back of my mind as I was writing the original Crown of Shards books, for sure.
1: I really appreciate that as well, and you know, I, I, I like how Gemma, she's carrying trauma, and some of your other characters do that too. And they're still badass, courageous heroes and heroines. But it's okay to put a little bit of, you know, it's okay to not be okay in there. You know what I mean?
2: Definitely. I mean, so many of us, you know, especially the last two years, we've gone through this like whole big collective trauma. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think bad things happen to everybody, but you know, sometimes you just kind of have to have to keep going, whether you really feel like you can or not. So
1: right, it's, it, it humanizes even these um, you know epic heroes have struggles. Heroes have struggles too. Be kind to your local hero. <laughs> <laughs> um, I adore a good map, and your books have good maps at the start of them did you have a hand in designing these maps
2: okay so uh as far as my artistic skills go (laughs) (laughs) um I'm a good writer I am terrible at drawing I did I did draw the initial map and it is basically squiggles and stick figures
1: Love it. Love it.
2: Um, but my publisher, they hired a wonderful artist. Her name, I want to say her name is Virginia Nori or Noray. I'm not sure how you say her last name. Sure. And um, she basically, she took my squiggles and my stick figures and she came up with these wonderful, fun, whimsical maps. Um, I oh. think they're amazing. They
1: are amazing. Like I would 100% buy a print of these maps because I think they're there's, I don't know, there's like, there's intricacy, but it also is very approachable. And it looks like someone, I don't know, someone was like, Oh, you're traveling over there. Let me draw you a map.
2: (laughs) I think she just has a really great, you know, whimsical style that fits the books really well. And actually one of my pet peeves when I'm reading other people's fantasy books, Mm -hmm. uh, especially epic fantasy, I hate it if there is not a map. Yes, thank you. Like every epic fantasy book should have a map. It should just be a rule, a publishing rule.
1: <laughs> I agree. I I mean, I'm a good visualizer, but that's why maps exist is because sometimes you need to actually see what we're talking about here.
2: Yes. And, you know, especially if like the world building, there's a lot of different courts or castles or rivers or whatever. Right. You, know, you just you need something to say, OK, this is where this is. This is where that is.
1: <laughs> and for those who haven't read the book yet, books yet this might not mean anything, but it's like knowing how close Svalen is to Seven Spire is to um Andvari. Like it's just like, "Thank you. Okay, I've got it now."
2: And definitely, and you can see the size of the countries and a little bit of the topography, and you know, it's just I I think it's a little fun extra for readers to hopefully help them visualize, you know, the story and the world and the characters a little bit better.
1: Yeah. So um, in a lot of your books, there is kind of a Greco-Roman influence, you know, specifically with the gladiators thinking of Bologna. So is that like a personal interest of yours, Greco-Roman history specifically?
2: Well, I've always loved mythology is another one of those things like... When I was in, I want to say middle school, every time we would have like a free day or a free afternoon or something, we would either watch The Princess Bride or the old Clash of the Titans movie with Harry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I love the owl in that.
1: Yes. Bebo. I think. Yeah.
2: Whatever his name was. um, Bebo is from Legends of Tomorrow. I'm mixing up my characters. Mixing up your birds. Mixing up my birds, my gods or whatever. But yeah, um, I've always loved mythology. You know, I did a young adult series, Mythos Academy, that had a lot of mythology in it. Um, and when I was coming up with Crown of Shards and Kill the Queen, I kind of got tired of having to name everything. <laughs> <laughs> I like all the towns and the mountains and the rivers and things. And I thought, okay, this is book. This is a book about gladiators. Why don't I try to see if I can bring some Roman mythology into it? And you know, that really helps me a lot with the names, like. Uh, The kingdom of Bologna is named after a Roman war goddess. Morta Mm -hmm. is like the, I want to say the god of death in Roman mythology. And Mm -hmm. just little things like that. Um, I try to pick names that have kind of a subtle meaning. Mm. Um, So mythology helps a lot with that. So yeah, mythology is definitely one of my interests.
1: Uh, I, yeah, love, 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 love some good mythology. So the, that totally reads. it's one of those things where it's like it's familiar, but it's it's I don't know, it's still magical enough. So that reminded me when you were talking about back in school. so what was the first story you remember writing?
2: I want to say I was in third grade maybe, and I remember writing it was some kind of Christmas story about a mouse and I don't remember what the oh. mouse did or yeah <laughs> oh.
1: did he, I bet he saved Christmas. I bet she saved Christmas.
2: I have no idea. I think it was for an assignment. Like like I said, I think maybe in third grade. I, I don't remember all the details. but um, yeah. And then, you know, my mom would take me to the library every week as a kid. So that's kind of how mm-hmm. I fell in love with books and reading in the first place. And then one summer in college, I thought, I'm going to see if I can write a fantasy book. Uh, and I did. And it was very, very bad. Oh, uh, <laughs> It it really it was terrible. It was like every fantasy cliche in it that you could think of. Oh, gosh. But, you know, I, I did it and I loved doing it. And I kept writing and writing and writing and writing. And then I wrote about seven books before I finally got an agent and sold Karma Girl. And that was my first published book.
1: Wow, that is so cool. That is a really, really, really cool story. Well, congratulations. Um, Practice makes perfect, clearly. (laughs) So I follow you on Instagram. People can follow you on Instagram. Uh, We love cats here at Chandra Junkies. Tell us about Kitty Boodle.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So Kitty Boodle is a stray that came to my mom's house one day about, I want to say seven years ago. I think she'll be seven in November. Um, yeah. And my mom started feeding her and my mom has this like strange ability to charm every animal that crosses her path. Aww. Um, if it's a dog, if it's a cat, I think she could like tame bears seriously. <laughs> so anyway, she took Kitty Boodle in and, um, you know, we were not cat people before that. We had always had dogs. No. Yeah. We hadn't, I had never had a cat before. Well, technically Boodle is my mom's cat, but you know, I'm kind of. Cat adjacent, I like to say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she is just a little diva princess. Um, she's an only cat, uh, and yeah, she's she's so funny, and she's,
1: she's gorgeous too. She's,
2: she's just gorgeous. She is very, very pretty, but I'm a little biased. And she looks so sweet in the pictures that I post on Instagram and in my newsletter. She is a vicious little serial killer. <laughs> All the best cats are. All the best cats fake it. I mean, seriously, if um, if Jen Blanco from my Elemental Assassin series had a spirit animal, it would be Kitty Boodle. Because Kitty <laughs> Boodle is a stone cold killer. Oh, my God. I love it. I
1: Well, you know, our our show is technically produced by a cat, producer Stitches, who's here right now monitoring the interview. So, yeah, they um, they have agendas. They have agendas.
2: And she's also, she's like a little ninja. I never, like, hear her. No. I went in the house. um, This has been probably about two months ago. And um, there's this place on the porch where she likes to bring stuff that she catches. And I go into the house, and there's nothing on the porch. No sign of her. I don't know where she is. Nothing. I come out. I swear, less than 10 minutes later, I look down. There she is on the porch, and she has a snake. Oh, my goodness. Kitty Boodle. I scream so loud.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I bet she thought it was hilarious.
2: Yeah, she was looking at me like, what? It's just a snake.
1: <laughs> Com- calm down. <laughs> yeah, we also have a a, a snake here at Chandra Junkies headquarters, and producer Stitches is constantly like, I think that's fettuccine, and I think it's for me. <laughs> so I think Stitches and Kitty Boodle. They would get along pretty well, yeah. Little little vicious hunters. We always like to ask our authors, can you share with us some recommendations, some some books, new favorites, old favorites, maybe a movie or TV show you've been loving?
2: Sure. Um, so one of the things that I have been obsessed with over the last couple of years, actually, is uh, Nancy Drew on the CW. Okay. Like If you like Veronica Mars or you like Ghost Stories, you need to watch that show because it is so good. Wow. I I have to admit, I haven't gotten into it. I mean, the first season is just phenomenal. I mean, I always tell people that it's like Veronica Mars and ghosts, but with better plot twists. (laughs) Uh, Cool, cool. So I've really been enjoying that. And then another show that I've gotten into over the last couple of months is Ghosts on CBS. Oh, I hear such wonderful things about that. It is such a fun show. And it's really, um, it's about this woman and she hits her head and she wakes up and she can see ghosts. Um, and, you know, all the ghosts are from different time periods. There's a Viking and there's like a guy from the American Revolution. Um, and it's just hysterical. It's very much in the vein of like Ted Lasso, kind of like really gentle, but really clever humor.
1: Oh, that sounds perfect for my counterpart, Scott. That sounds perfect for him.
2: So you know, if if you're looking for a new comedy, I would definitely check out Ghost. Um, What okay. else have I been binging out lately? You know, I love superheroes. I'm all about the Marvel movies, the Marvel yes. shows. Um, Are you? Have you started Moon Knight? I have. Um, I don't know how I feel about Moon Knight, though. Okay,
1: okay. That's that's good. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I haven't started it either. We love superheroes, but we're behind.
2: Well, Oscar Isaacs is, I mean, he's really good in it. It has a great cast. I actually like Layla, his wife slash, I don't know what you would call her with his other personalities. But anyway, (laughs) she's a total badass, and she's awesome. Oh, Um, cool. And then what? other books have I been reading? Um, I just finished. What did I just finish right now? I'm reading uh, Maria Schneider has a young adult sci-fi series. It's called, I want to say navigating the stars, I think is the first book. Okay. Um, And that's really good. I really think the world building in that one is interesting. Um, I've been on a big sci-fi book kick lately. I've been reading uh, Jesse Mahalik's sci-fi romance series. Oh, cool. Um, I just finished The Last Watch by J.S. Dews. I hope I'm saying her name right. Okay. Um, So, yeah, like I said, anything with a lot of action and adventure, I will read it or watch it.
1: Ooh, cool. That's interesting that you've been on a sci-fi kick. And and as a reader, I'm kind of like, hmm, what will the next series be? Will it be a heavy (laughs) sci-fi influence?
2: I actually, I have written a sci-fi romance. Um, Ah! Yep, I'm going to self-publish that, I hope in September of this year. Great. It's not really technical, though. I just want to tell people, it's like... Oh, we have some spaceships and things, but there's still a lot of magic, too.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's the best. That's the best. I don't need to get hung up in ships. (laughs) How they work. I'm going to forget anyway. Let's be honest. I'm going to forget the technicality. And I'm going to remember the characters in the story.
2: Well, I mean, I think a lot of the sci-fi and really any genre can have this problem. You know, you get like so deep into the world building. And I'm like you. I don't really care how like the warp drive works or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like we have spaceships. They fly really long distances and, you know, let's have fun with it.
1: Yeah. So, Jennifer, since we all are going to want to read that book, how can everybody stay in touch with you to find out what you're doing next?
2: Um, as you said, people can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Basically, if you search for Jennifer Estep author, you can find me online. Um, you can look at my website. You can also follow me on Amazon and BookBub to get alerts, you know, when I have new releases and ebook deals. And then you can also, if you go to my website and click on the contact tab, you can also sign up for my email newsletter and get pictures of Kitty Boodle in your inbox. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it's worth the price of admission not that there's a price of admission but just for the kitty boodle you know come come for the books, stay for the boodle
2: you know it's funny every time I send out a newsletter with kitty boodles picture in it I get it's like all the responses are like oh kitty boodle here's a picture of my cat she's so cute and like nothing about my books it's all about kitty boodle oh she's a mascot My mom keeps insisting that I need to start paying kitty-boodle royalties, but I don't (laughs) know how that would
1: work. Well, you know, Gemma has gargoyles. You have kitty-boodle. Yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.
2: Well, thank you for hosting me. It was a lot of fun. And I hope everybody enjoys reading Tear Down the Throne when it comes out.
1: Hey, bookworm buddy, don't forget Subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're at it, find us on Instagram at Genre Junkies. Thank you, Jennifer, for that stunning interview. She's
0: so fun, isn't she fun? I I loved it. I absolutely loved it.
1: Yeah. Um. Okay. Cool. 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 So let's talk about all the things we couldn't talk about in the spoiler-free area. So I had mentioned that this book series goes places that was not expected and i was not expecting how um kind of gory and scary that book went Gemma gets like stuck in a cave which was like holy shit she's really stuck in a cave
0: yeah yeah she's her body is broken there is really no reason that she should still be alive except for ding ding yeah leonard
1: and then she ends up behind enemy lines, getting legit tortured. Not just like, oh, she's in torment, you know. And I'm not trying to make light of that. But in other books, sometimes people are like, sometimes it's more of an emotional,
0: like, <laughs> yeah, journey, which is okay.
1: But, yeah, but no, she was, or they're captive, and it's like the floor is cold. <laughs> but it's like, no, she straight up gets it's beaten. So dark here. <laughs> She straight up gets beaten. She gets stabbed through the hand, like
0: yeah, with this weird little fish hook arrow thing. Like, yeah, that's not cool, man. And she is My so low. nah, 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 bro. Don't do she it. She is so
1: deep behind enemy lines, and that's not a place we're always used to our heroes feeling legit stuck. And I, uh, yeah, there yeah. is
0: there is no magic in your way out of this one.
1: Yeah, she's a little screwed here and there. So yeah, in the cave. um, leo is able to help her but it's still horrible um i think it's
0: interesting how she does that thing she calls ghosting when she leaves her body that's also a really cool way to uh get us around situations that we wouldn't normally have a good narrative for yeah that is also just a really clever narrative device i think so yeah, Milo is
1: awful. He's legitimately like he is not redeemable. There is nothing likable about him. There is no little soft spot of him that's like, oh my god, he's so evil, but he'd never kill his brother or something like that. Like, no, he is straight nope. up. He sucks. Yeah, there
0: is there is nothing about him that has a positive tone. Um, because even um, his mom <laughs> is ma'am. Even his own mother is like, Nathan. yeah, no, that
1: yeah, that was rancid from the beginning. Um, I and you. We love a good villainess and oh yeah Maven's a nice deep purple amethyst stone cold bitch and you know there is a place and a time where a girl's got to do that to get ahead in the game the game
0: of thrones you know Yeah I can you know I I still have not read the original uh, books that were in this world but honestly it, look at how horrible her brother was i was guessing awful the rest of the family wasn't really norman rockwell there <laughs> <laughs> like she she had to get hard early it's not all amethysts and strixis people <laughs> like yeah well, marta's a
1: marta's a tough place to grow up but you know what i appreciated is it's actually in the first book when leo shows her all the good things about morta
0: um Oh, yeah, it's really important to him to show her, like... These are real people. They're just like thinking, feeling, real people who, you know, bake bread and do the things that people do. They don't grind children into the bread. <laughs> they don't,
1: you know, all sharpen Normally their teeth. Normally they
0: don't. They're yeah. not all like us.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they don't sharpen their teeth into little points. Like there's a lot of normal people going about their day and there's a lot of pride in their, you know, rich fighting history. Um. So I, and I really appreciated that because... You know, you can get a little bogged down in the enemy and what all the bad royals have done, but the royals don't represent the whole people, you know? No, of course not.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, I I, I like that too. It's, it's again, and it's one of those things like turning the trope on its ear and, uh, and making it more interesting.
1: Yeah. Do you think you'd fit in more in Andvari or Morda?
0: Well, I'm not into mining that much. So I feel like probably Morda, but uh, but uh, I I mean I don't know I don't know they are it really good like, with their gems in and It Feels like Bologna is probably the place I'd like to be. Oh, but Bologna's I get, great. I mean, but I don't know if you like gladiating, and I do. <laughs> um,
1: then that's the Who place. Doesn't to be. yeah. There's some other cool countries as well, but um, yeah, yeah. I I appreciate like we talked about the world building. Uh, every nation is. Very unique. I of course want to learn more about Ryusama. Uh, there, yeah, there's yeah. just a lot more to uncover. So, tell me your thoughts on Delmira because we still, at the conclusion of these two books, don't quite know what's up with her, but we know that her mom is not going to rest until she sees her daughter secured.
0: Yeah, and especially it, it is. It is quite literally said in the first book, but she has every intention that Elmira is going to be the one to succeed her. Yeah, um, she's she's going to be the next queen, not not queen consort, but the next queen. Yeah, and uh, so that's cool. Um, and also, yeah, she seems like she's she's a little bit more like Leonidas, where like she really does have a conscience. Yes, and. Uh, in fact, she when when in the aforementioned scene where uh, real suffering takes place on our heroine um, um, with her l- weird little fish hook arrow, um, and she's the whip. yeah, and the, uh, ugh, it's really horrible. It's really she horrible. Actually, goes through it, people. She
1: actually goes through it. Yeah,
0: which is I. I <laughs> I want to say like i like it but I, I don't i mean i don't mean i like it It was horrible to go through that with her but at the same time um i like that she that 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 jennifer wasn't afraid to go there yes
1: yes and also i forgot to mention this so sorry i'm going to cut you off really quickly and I, I apologize but there's a line in the in that point where she's being you know um she's really feels like she's going to be passing away soon. And she's like, I don't know how, but I believe the F word is used. She's like, I am fucking taking Milo with me. Like she is not like, I mean, she's sad and she's crying and she's scared, but she is still like, I'm not if, going a, to the other if, side if i alone. get one
0: last thing
1: that i yeah. can do if I, I can pull this off yeah i'm, I'm taking it. him yeah but yeah so delmyra comes to her aid and delmyra and leonidas really didn't seem to think that this was gonna go where it did
0: no they i mean i don't know i think she maybe had a better idea than leonidas did of just how how awful things could get. Yeah. I think Leonidas is one of those characters that is just always going to believe the best in people. Yeah. Like, I don't think he thought that Milo would actually do that, but that his mom would get her position. Well, yeah, that his mom would allow it because he
1: loves his mom. Cause you know, moms, they all know she's a bitch, but it's like when you have the option of your mom, who's kind of mean or your brother, who's a literal psychopath and you had an uncle that was a psychopath too you're going to kind of cling to your lesser demon there
0: yeah cuz i mean clearly there were some there must have been some good moments but I not mean, with milo but never with milo never with milo but i mean some good moments with uh with, Mom. with mommy um i mean like i don't know somebody taught him how to ride a bike right <laughs> i don't know they have bucks there
1: no but it's true like at some i mean she does want them to be um I guess successful is like kind of the best way to put it. Whereas Milo is literally constantly planning on how to kill them.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've we said it already, but the, uh, there is no redeemable factor in Milo. He's just a yeah. bad guy. And his mom, though, is
1: much better at playing the long game because she's like, okay, Milo's bad apple, but I need to set this all up just so.
0: Well, yeah, because otherwise, because he's not stupid, also. No,
1: he's unfortunately not stupid.
0: (laughs) So he's, if if she were to do something that were, you know, that was specifically against him, he would see it coming a mile off.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So we know that, that, uh, Gemma had to live so that she could save Maven. And then somehow Delmira is also kind of part of this foreshadowed, faded lawn game. Um, we're going to see her on the throne. Now, here's the thing. I don't think right now Delmyra wants that. And I don't think she wants to be her mom's puppet either. So I'm not sure how her story is going to go. I have to say I'm very curious because I'm really like, I don't I don't see how we're going to get this character to a happy ending, which I know Jennifer will get her there. But I'm like, but how and in what steps are we going to get her there? Because she also has some really intense power.
0: Yes. And I, I completely agree. And it's I, but that's that's again to the point of like having nuanced characters of you're not sure how it's going to go. Yeah. You know, you're not 100%. Ch- I mean, I, 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 is Leonidas and Jem, and, and are they going to end up? Of course they're going to yeah, end it together. Right, they've declared their love. They've committed yeah, to life. They're going to be fine. <laughs> I mean, like... Like, I'm not worried about them anymore. No, me neither. I mean, even if one of them dies, it's still going to be like, yeah, but they fulfilled <laughs> what they were going to do. So yeah. it's fine now.
1: Well, right, because that's the way I feel about the other characters that aren't mentioned from the spinoff series, is I'm like... Yeah, I'm not worried about them anymore. Like, I feel like like they're take I can kind of put them to bed. Like, there's still some things oh, yeah. I'd like
0: to see happen with them. Everly, like Aunt Evie, Aunt Evie's just back. They're doing yeah. fine. Uncle Lucas, they're they're just living their best life. They're doing their thing, and
1: um, they're playing the game, the Game of Thrones. <laughs> but it is true. Like, I mean, there's there's a lot to think about, and that's another thing we kind of mentioned. But I love the the plotting and the double crossing and the scheming in these books. I think that is
0: very, very interesting. You know, the courtly politics. Agreed completely. Cause that's, that's another part of where you're just not a hundred percent sure where somebody's narrative is going to go. Right. At any point in time, like, it, it could go North or South. We don't know.
1: Oh, another trope that I wanted to point out in this section that I was so happy was busted for me. I'm so happy about this. Okay. So Gemma is really wrestling with her feelings for Leo through the two books, and she has very good reason for that, because twice he has technically betrayed her. Now, again, it was not maliciously and it was not to set her up for torture or, um, you know, anything like that. But she has her reasons to be a little nervous and also their families being mortal enemies. Her mom has like tried to kill everyone in her family. Uh, his mom has tried to kill everyone in her family, I should say. Like, again, there's reason for reticence. But I appreciated that Gemma did not spend two whole books completely denying her feelings for Leonidas.
0: I I completely agree. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's because it, she she is struggling with it. it. She She's fought it. She's struggling with Yuck. it. But uh, but she also recognizes, like, yeah, there's something there though. It's something yeah. that's more than just oh, he's really cute. Yeah. It's it's which is again. I'll read that book. I'll read I'll that read book. That book. <laughs> but uh, but but it's it's more interesting than that. Today was not that day where I read that book though. <laughs> Today was not
1: the day. I was very pleased that today was not that day. Yeah, it was just nice because, you know, I started, my teeth started to feel a little on edge and this isn't Jennifer's fault, this you know, or anything like that. But like, I was like, don't turn this into that book where she's gonna be like
0: you know super fighting it the whole time he's so horrible yeah but no he's not though actually he's not horrible at every single point where he was actually able to make his own decision based on his own moral compass yeah he absolutely does the right thing every time yeah which with the beginning of the first book here is like that's one of the reasons why she. Well, that's what she tells herself anyway. Yeah. The way she doesn't kill him when she has the chance or just right. let him die is because there's this little girl and he gives her a flower and tells her like, go on your way, yeah. like <laughs> go on your way. And it's like, well, well, hell. I mean, how do you, how do you just like open cold murder somebody? Because Milo like, would have killed that little girl. Oh, Milo wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought about it. It's, it's <laughs> just to go a little and bison on you. It was just Tuesday. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs>
1: said, oh my god but it's true though it's true um so yeah he he is a nice guy he sincerely meant that she would always be safe with him did not work out that way (laughs) but it wasn't because he didn't mean it and so then he takes up the gauntlet challenges to win her hand well i mean it's kind of orchestrated by his mom but to win her hand but also and he says it point blank because if i do this you're gonna trust me again And that means so much to him. It
0: does mean so much. Like, that's like kind of, I mean, there aren't a whole lot of people that have been really nice to him i now, feel like the, he's 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 kind of had it rough like where's leonidas's story and all this yeah i mean this poor guy it's true I mean, his he uncle was abusive his brother's abusive. his mom's did not, manipulative his did not win the mom lottery no, he well, sure did the not brother thing that didn't work out That's well awful that brother is awful It just really is the worst but uh so so yeah so anyway yeah like what you're saying um, and also, of course, to uh,
1: give respect to respect is due also to the gauntlet challenges and also her gift to him at the end. All of these are based off of that they really listened to each other. They really had conversations and he, you know, like when he has to give her the gifts that mean something to her, um, one of the things is a brie and like apricot jam sandwich because that's her favorite sandwich and like she's like oh my god i didn't think he'd like remember that but like he does you know like it's just very sweet too because it's not just about there's this thing between us or like it's like no they they really like each other and he really listens to her
0: yeah no he went straight to rice (laughs) and (laughs) territory
1: oh my god straight to rice it are we gonna discover that he actually runs a a nunnery library where oh he trains God. abused
0: women. <laughs> I, it's such a, it's such a great idea. It's just somehow like, oh, really? Also that too? Yeah.
1: Also though, that too. Though as we're learning in the continuing series, and does not really always oh, putting his money where his mouth is. Oh,
0: well, you know what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah you
1: gotta be nuanced. You know what? I think maybe, we should um we should review those those books the rest be, of
0: them i'd be i'd be happy to do that and
1: yeah because i mean there's th- those books will always hold a wonderful place in my heart and something that i truly loved reading and i've recommended to many people but there are flaws and stem- stemming back on time and distance the things that we kind of shrugged off yeah i'm gotten I've, weirder
0: i'm with you i'm with you i'm with you
1: Completely. So at some point we we might pick that up again. Let us know if you want us to finish the uh, SRJ Mass at oh, Guitar great. series.
0: I do. <laughs> oh. oh, you do. I, I, you do. We, we're gonna
1: we're do going it. We're going to do it. We're gonna do it. Oh my god. And we've also got Holly Black's new ad first
0: oh, adult
1: yes! Book. Oh my god. Absolutely. I'm I'm jazzed about that. I'm jazzed. Oh, I'm jazzed too. I don't think I mean, I don't think Holly could disappoint me. I think she's well for me. She's an auto buy,
0: and Same. I love her. <laughs> like, yeah, I and love all, but the her. The thing too is like she, but she's built. This is her world. We just all get to live in it for a minute. Yeah. while we read the books. Yeah, so she can do whatever
1: she wants with it. <laughs> whatever she wants, we're with you, Holly. Um. All right. So I digress. Um. Any final thoughts on the Gargoyle Queen novels?
0: I uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. I'm 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 a hundred percent uh an advocate for anybody who like we just said who can actually build their own world and live in it like mm. and, and like so these characters are congruent with with the world that she's created and I love that they are nuanced and that they are sometimes complicated and in the case of Milo, not particularly complicated at all. <laughs> but that's okay, because you, you, sometimes you just need a really good baddie. Yeah, you sometimes know? you do. You just need a baddie that's
1: irredeemable. There's no shred of goodness, and that's no. okay, because he, we'll one day get to see him be torn limb from limb, and it'll be wonderful.
0: Yeah, because I mean, we already have the nuanced baddie in Maven, right? Yeah. So we already, we got that. We got the, like, we okay, like she can do this. Like, yeah. The author is not afraid to do that. We are secretly rooting for maven we kind of are yeah but a little us. bit that's us that's you and me and i and don't know me. i don't know it was, it, we we're always team hans gruber it's sure you know, we love a villain yeah it's just <laughs> we love a villain as long as they're not like this
1: or what's the teacher and harry potter the mean teacher oh um, Dol- Dolores, Umbridge. Umbridge.
0: i hate her she's a great another example of an irredeemable villain to me me too Ben. also because she's not a death eater you know i mean like that's one of the the great things about her is like she's not a follower of voldemort she just sucks she just is in and of her own narrative just evil yeah um i i agree i'm
1: very invested in these stories i really really am chomping at the bit for delmyra's story to be told because i want her to be happy I want everybody to be happy. And I want to... I I want her to be happy, too. And I'm not ready to leave this world behind, these characters. Um, You know, it was hard for me when I finished the Crown of Shards books because I wasn't, like, ready to... To let go you weren't ready to say goodbye well clearly
0: neither was jennifer eastup yeah she wasn't ready
1: to say sayonara either and this is such a cool world i'm i'm not ready to say goodbye to it and i'm very invested in, you know seeing this through and and maybe even getting to see Gemma take the throne like i mean i don't know if we're gonna get that because she's still she's gonna have to bump off her dad if that's the case but um
0: i I, i've had that thought too i was like well i want her to be quick Oh, what that means two characters we like are going to (laughs) die. Real quick, too, I forgot to say this.
1: Shout out to heir apparent Dominic, dad Dominic. He is awesome. And there is the moment near the end of uh, Tear Down the Throne where she comes to him and she wants to talk about relationships and she wants to talk about things that we would traditionally see same gender. Oh, Parenting, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. talk about and um they are close and they love each other and he like respects her as an adult and i really didn't expect anything less from dominic or from any of jennifer's characters but it was very much like wow thank you for that she can go to people in her life sometimes It means a lot
0: yeah because that's often the case with uh with our oh. all the m- beloved y.a heroines yeah. i mean definitely love tell it. anybody but they're almost always completely on their own and so that's the yeah. only way you can find strength is just through an impossible situation that you have found yourself in yeah. that's the only way that a woman can actually be strong no actually you can be strong and be a man or a woman or whatever you want to say yeah doesn't matter doesn't, doesn't even have to be it's do you? That's all I have to say. Just you you do you. But whatever you're going to be, be you the hardest you can be. And and it's okay that sometimes you need to ask for help. I, I think that that's... stands through life alone? I, no one. Well, I haven't managed it so far. <laughs> I mean, everybody
1: needs people. Everybody needs somebody that is there for them. So, yeah, let's... I mean, it's fun to make your heroes larger than life, but humanize them a bit, please, or they're unrelatable.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's she's already got, like, mind magics. Like, she can read everybody's thoughts and move objects with her thinking place and you know like she's already got a lot of stuff going she's for got her. a lot on her plate. she's also a princess like <laughs> yeah. she's got a lot of of um high cards to play yeah and so it's okay if once in a while you just don't have it in the deck she goes to Alva she goes
1: to um you know her other mentors she goes to Rico like it's important yeah
0: absolutely and and also I think just to what you're saying that in the very beginning too is like it's okay to have a positive experience between um a father and a daughter that's okay like, yeah. like why don't we celebrate that sometime but we have a really freaking awesome dad we have an awesome dad she has an awesome dad and look at all the shit her and her dad been through yeah i mean and that's you know i mean some privilege of course granted sure sure but uh But even then, like, I mean, you could still turn out to be Milo. (laughs) So it it could be worse. Ah, Pulling the horns off of gargoyles and stuff, the evil little cretin. (laughs) hes really horrible. I can't wait till he dies. He's gonna die, right? I I keep
1: thinking about who I want to kill him. And then I'm kind of also like, but I want him to like fall into a trap of his own making too. You know what I mean? I
0: know exactly. Yes. Yeah. You'd be, be in a situation where there's actually nobody to blame for his death except yeah. for him. Yeah, I would. L- I really want to see him get his, yeah. his due. Hopefully that won't be the case. Well, thank
1: you, Scott, for producing this episode. Thank you, Amanda, for guest hosting with me and explaining all about how adult coloring works.
0: You can use anything, people. (laughs) You can use literally
1: anything to make your art. But no, seriously, thank you, Amanda. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This is wonderful. (laughs) And thank you, Jennifer Eastap, for writing some interesting books that we could talk about for, for a long time to come. And I hope that we will get the opportunity to do so again Thank you for joining us for the interview. You're welcome in genre junkies any old time. And you, dear listener, please keep reading past your bedtime. <laughs>